1: Welcome to the DFO Rundown podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on
2: dailyfaceoff.com.
1: Welcome to episode 271 of the DFO Rundown brought to you by Batano.ca. The game starts now uh, tonight, uh, 11 games in the National Hockey League. Can the Flyers win their fifth in a row, they uh, host the uh, Stars. Meanwhile, the Edmonton Oilers looking for their 12th consecutive victory. Uh, there's a little bit of angst in Calgary, but not for the Flames. The uh, Maple Leafs coach uh, challenges his player. so lots for you to bet on. And, of course, coming up in the NFL, they're down to the, uh, we'll call it the quarterfinals. I know no eh? way, but, uh, you know, Buffalo, Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes. Would he win his first road playoff game? Of course, if it's only road playoff game, which is mind blowing to me. So you can bet on all that at patano.ca. I'm Jason Greger alongside uh, Frank Saravalli, who uh, joins us from Calgary today, uh, getting set for the uh, pond hockey uh, tournament coming up uh, this weekend. Frank, um, do you have extra layers, little chilly for the fellas this year? Actually, it's
2: setting up to be quite nice in Jasper plus degrees. One Jasper. It looks like it's plus, plus two on Saturday and Sunday. Celsius, oh, well, which is like 36 oh, Fahrenheit, which is, I, I don't know that you can, especially after how cold it was. I mean, I would have taken minus 10, minus 15, minus 40. You're not playing, but minus 10. Yeah, we could, we could live with that. I think we did that last year, but minus 10's nothing. plus degrees. I'm going to be out there in a
1: hoodie. <laughs> yeah. Why not? I didn't know it was that warm. Ooh, might have to go skiing. I like it. How uh, How's your hockey? Are you in shape? Can you play? Got I mean, blisters? What's going to happen?
2: Round is a shape. So, I, I mean, I guess I am in one. Uh, no, I've been, I've been actually pushing a little bit since January started, making some small changes in my life. And uh, I don't know. Hopefully, it's adding up. I've been riding the bike. And I don't know that that translates to hockey at all, but I have been on the ice coaching and flipping pucks and skating. So, we'll see.
1: I mean... When, can't be any worse than last year. It's true. When you're coaching, do you know which kids you can rely on? Um, and I say that <laughs> as we transition to uh, Sheldon, Keith, and you know, I said, "Hey, I'm not sure which guys I can rely on in certain situations." Um, you know, I, the funny thing is, obviously, I was watching the uh, Toronto Edmonton game. Hell of a game. The pace was unreal. Mm-hmm. Toronto probably should have been up three nothing. Bertuzzi couldn't have hit the post more clean. Than he did early, and then Holmberg got robbed by uh, Stuart Skinner. Jones did stop Hyman and McDavid on breakaways, but I actually didn't think Toronto played that bad. They lost the game, and they've blown leads in three consecutive games. So I get the frustration. Oh, you're, so you're in the Mitch Marner camp? Oh, we well, played no, great hockey. No, 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 no. I never said great. Um, first of all, great gets overused way too often. You're not great when you're a wild card team. Okay. Well,
2: they're they're, are, they're teetering on the edge. I mean, are, the Red Wings, I, I think actually the Red Wings yes. win, knocked them out of the playoffs last night.
1: No, no, it, opt, it opt them out, knocked them out of third. Toronto's now the number one wild card uh. team. And uh, I know if you go by, Frank, by points percentage, then they're still ahead of of uh, Detroit. Um, I still look at points. I know games played. Yeah, it helps only if you win them. But yeah, the, the leagues have 42 games and 50 points. And then, man, what a... What a race after. the, the It's Lightning basically
2: one win that separates them from
1: being outside the playoffs. Yes. Uh, New Jersey is currently the 12th place team in the East, and they're uh, two points out of a playoff spot. The Lightning have 49, Penguins and Capitals have 48, Islanders 48, New Jersey 47, and even the Montreal Canadiens uh, have 45 points. So it's, uh, you know, the, the race... Uh, now Buffalo is seven back with so many teams to climb. I don't think it's possible the way they played, but my goodness, like there's there's more teams who could look and think, like if you're Buffalo and say, geez, if we could win four in a row here, we might be using two points.
2: I, I could see that. I mean, as poorly as they've played to this point, we know that this team, or at least we think this team is better than what they've shown, but I want to go back to the Leafs. Like what, you mentioned that they didn't play that bad. When I watched the game, I saw a team that stopped playing. They get a lead, and it's almost like they go into the old prevent defense that has killed NFL teams forever. You have to continue to be aggressive, and they just stopped. It was almost like they invited Connor McDavid and the Oilers to get back into it.
1: Well, it really changed when Marty Jones, who played excellent, then let in a softy, and that changed the game. Right? Like that, that backhand dry, subtle celebration. He was like, what? It went in, right? Like he's he bl- just basically a blind backhand, put the puck on net. And they always say, put the puck on net. Good things will happen. But um, he was not expecting that goal to go in. It goes in. And, you know, that gave the order some life. And then uh, Ryan McLeod took over the game in the third period. It wasn't one of the superstars for the Edmonton Orders. It was McLeod with a goal and an assist, a assist on the tying goal, the game winner. And, um, you know, Hey, there's a team Frank that it's funny. Like, They find ways to win right now. Um, There's only three teams in the NHL who have a winning record when they allow the first goal. Three, and one of them is Edmonton, and that's because in their 11 game winning streak, six times they've won when allowing the first goal. Like it's just not sustainable, right? Like you, it's funny in the NHL. Like there's certain statistics that over the time you look at last year, you look at the year before, very few teams can have a winning record. Like Colorado and Dallas, by the way, the other two, and they're like five sixty-five. So it's not like you're dominating, but you know they've won thirteen out of twenty-three games when they trail, uh, giving up the first goal. And and Edmonton is now ten and, and uh, eight. Like it's just it's hard to do. And so Toronto, I think that's probably what's more frustrating is you give up leads in three consecutive games. Sometimes when you have multiple goal leads, and so you got to find a way to either get the next one. And I know that two nothing leads or two goal leads today, Frank, aren't like they were, you know, even a decade ago back then it was like, well, game over, right guys. You can't really lock it down anymore. The the way the rules are and the way teams attack. I, I think a two nothing lead is, is a bonus, but it's far from a, far from a guarantee to win. So how aggressive would
2: you be? If you're Brad tree living, oh, he, he makes dude. his return to Calgary
1: tonight. It's the
2: tree living bowl. What a great game to step into at the Dome. Excited for that. And you look at this team, and, and I, I just think they have so much surgery to do on defense. So they've got multiple pieces that they need to acquire. They've gotten basically no picks and very little cap space outside of the Klingberg LTIR money.
1: Yeah, but that's a lot of that's a lot of money. Right, that's four million. It's, bucks, it's a lot
2: of money, but what assets are you going to move to 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 get those guys? That's the problem.
1: Well, I think you know you've got the young guys, uh, you know, Minton and a few of their young kids. If they They're want not moving, Fraser Minton, and, are they? Another draft. Well, they might have to like, or you, maybe even like Robertson um, off of your roster. Okay, uh, so if Nick I, Robertson, this
2: I'm not disparaging a player. No, no, he's but, not but giving but you if, a lot. He's if Nick lot. Robertson played for any other team,
1: we'd never talk about him again. Yeah, you could be right. Um, well, he's he. The one thing Toronto has, Frank, is they have skilled forwards. Now, the, the problem is that they're skilled forwards. Like M- Matthews is obviously separate, and Neilander, they're good. But a lot of their skilled forwards are kind of the same, right? Like they they don't really have anybody who plays a heavy game. Matthews is probably the the heaviest guy. Um, I know Bertuzzi. You know what? He, he sticks his nose in there and stuff. But they don't they don't really have that. And that to me, that's that's an issue in Toronto. But I look at their defense core. And I think they have to upgrade at least two defensemen. TJ Brody's not a top pair defenseman anymore. He's playing he's with Morgan. Riley. Okay. This is how I analyzed the Leafs D the other day. Morgan Riley for me is a
2: two. So you got Morgan Riley at two. You've got two number four defensemen in Brody and McCabe. And then the rest of your team, the, the other three guys you have are sevens on good teams. Maybe you could say Benoit's pumped himself yeah, up. I think, I think Benoit's played himself. He's still a yes. third. He's a still a third pair guy. Yeah. So and
1: those guys are important in the playoffs for sure.
2: So okay, gr- I, I give you that. But how do you look at this team, this defense core as assembled right now, and say that this team's a cup contender? I'd wow, say man. there's been so much talk about about Sheldon Keith and his job and what happens next. My thing is, y- you've got to um, improve and and conduct some surgery on this roster before you can even really begin to analyze the coaching part of it. I think the fact that this team is on track to be a hundred point team is sounds about right.
1: Given where their roster is. Oh yeah. I, at the start of the season, when you looked at Toronto's roster, everybody knew what the, what the questions were. And here we are, we're halfway through the season. They're the exact same questions, right? Like but, nobody but is it. Wait, is, is that, is that it. accurate though? You don't you like, think at the start of the year, No, No, go back
2: to the preseason predictions, and almost unanimously, the Leafs were picked to win the division. Everyone thought, no way Boston's going to be that good again. The Panthers have some serious injury questions on their back end with Montour and Ekblad missing. No one was really sure what to make of the wings. They were the, they were the unanimous. People were drinking the Kool-Aid. Unanimous division pick.
1: Yeah, but that doesn't mean that they're. Weak. And I think that was more so because people thought Boston was going to take a step back and Florida is going to take a step back. And those but my point is, have- people
2: were drinking the Kool Aid.
1: Look well, at, at Perkuzi; good in and the division, but they yeah. still had warts. I don't think anybody was like, "Oh, Toronto's so good." They're, everybody said, "What do they have to improve on their defense core?" Right? And here we are. And what are we talking about? Their defense core. Like, so to me, when you asked about leaving, yeah. And I, I think you can't wait till March 8th. You can't wait till March 7th. You And now, obviously, you need two teams to tango. So you need a partner out there who's wanted to do it. And as we outline, there's, there's still teams out there who think, hey, maybe I can get in. And if I get in, I can be the eight-seed Florida Panthers from 2023 or the eight-seed they from and They're just dreaming in technicolor. Hey, right? But it's the truth, though, right? Every few no, years. is it's not. An eight seeded team that takes a no. deep run. There is.
2: No, but all that's the time. that. the Panthers don't count. Why? They won the President's Trophy the year before. It was a good team that yeah. underachieved in the regular season.
1: Okay. There's still an eight seed. We can go through the list of other below seeded teams that weren't President's Trophy that get hot in the playoffs, right? That's my point. There's been lots of seven and eight seeds who go two, three, four rounds. Now they don't ever finish it off. I think that's. I'm the point. just
2: saying, anyone dreaming that. This year in particular, with how good the West is, you, like, please pass me whatever you're smoking. What about the East?
1: Right? Like I think if, if the East a... is
2: relatively wide open.
1: Yeah. So that's my point. Right. So you you take, there's some teams in there. Um, we like, I still think Montreal is going to trade people. I, I firmly believe that. Right. Um, oh, and, you know, Monaghan and others. But I, I look, I still think, Frank, on January 18th, that even though tree leaving should be making trades, like the, we talk about the Calgary flames are the Calgary flames ready yet to sell. I don't think they are. You know, I, we we could argue are. if they I should. Know they are.
2: No, I, yeah. I look, the flames already made one trade in 2023. They're ready to go. They would have moved out more pieces by now, especially while they were sub 500. They haven't had the right offers. They teams haven't been ready to go and make those trades yet for cap reasons, for asset reasons for they want to see how their team shapes out before they really spend and commit. So they're kind of they've been in a holding pattern. They've been held hostage here, I think, by you know, the other teams that have expressed interest and been in the mix. The one exception to that is Hannafin. That's the one guy that they are still talking to, still trying to to work something out and the reason for that is One, and I said this from the beginning of the year, if you trade all of your pending UFAs and it's only for futures, you don't really have a chance to compete in two to three years. You have to keep someone. And Hannafin is the guy that makes a lot of sense because then you can go Uyghur, Hannafin, and Anderson Into next year. And that's at least half of a solid decor to get you started before you then go about filling the rest of it out. If you've got to get four defensemen next summer instead of three, like it just makes the task that much taller and you're in big trouble. So they're still talking to Hannafin, still waiting, still trying to slow play this out. But the rest of it, the Flames are ready to sell. I've been saying it for months.
1: So, what's the value? For Chris Tanev, what do, you, what do you think he's command? What do you think is going to be a return for him? He he just turned 34 in December, right? He's a defensive defenseman, right? It doesn't bring you a lot of points or anything like that. Now Toronto doesn't need that. I'm just using Toronto's example, but like, what, how, what big of a return do you think that there is Calgary asking too much right now?
2: No, I don't think so. I think also teams are a little bit leery too of watching the way he plays. Um, I, I think you're really looking at a second round pick. I don't, I don't think it's much more than that for yeah. Chris No. Yeah. So, and Toronto now, they I don't think have a way more. The they don't, they don't, the Toronto Maple Leafs don't have a second until 2027. Yes. They, they don't have any of their second round picks in 24, 25, 26. They have a first in 2024. They don't have one in 2025. I mean, that, that first round pick for this year's draft is really, Outside of maybe a couple prospects that teams might be interested in, that's all you're looking at asset wise.
1: Yeah, no. So they uh, they got a lot of fifths rounders if they want to oh stack those up. <laughs> yeah, that that'll get you uh,
2: next to nothing. But yeah. I did want to mention Elias Lindholm, who's been number one on our trade targets board, and frankly, I don't really see him getting knocked off of that perch, but. As part of our trade deadline preview series, have a story up today with a full breakdown on Elias Lindholm's game, including a scouting report, buyer beware and the places where he struggled, uh, five potential suitors that make sense for Lindholm. And I think maybe even more interestingly is looking at some of the trade comps. Like I think there's a real, you asked what Tanev can bring back. I think there's a couple real recent comps from last year that could point you in the direction of where, you know, what Calgary might expect to get in return. One is the involves the Leafs. It's the Ryan O'Reilly trade with St. Louis. They got O'Reilly at seventy five percent retained in exchange for a first, second, third, and the fourth was to launder the money, plus Adam Gaudet and Mikhail Abramov. Abramov, and. They also got Noel Achari. So if you break it down, you're probably looking at the fourth rounder to Minnesota to retain another 25%. The third for Noel Achari. And then the first and second are for O'Reilly and the retainment. So I think that's kind of between that and the Islanders in Vancouver trade, Bo Horvat for a first, Anthony Bovillier and Atu Ratu. Those two trades are like somewhere in between those goalposts is, is where Craig Conroy should be lining up for the field goal.
1: Fair or unfair? Yeah, no, I think that's fair for Lindholm. And not, you know, I was, I was looking up, you know, potentials for a, uh, for a guy like uh, um, Tanev. And, you know, the, the, I, I saw uh, you know, Brock Sagan put out a thing like Lindholm's not having a, a great year uh, right now. And I think, you know, people acquiring him are going to be acquiring him for what he's done in previous years. And so that there's always, I don't think that's fair. I think what, I think what, um, really taking a
2: deep dive on his game and watching, I think what really stands out with Lindholm is that in order for him to be an elite point producer, he needs to play with elite players like here. And here's another good example. Like, so people are going to be concerned about the drop of production. Lindholm's on track for 54 points which would be his lowest in a full season since seventeen eighteen. How much of that is on him or how much of that is attributed to the fact that he just hasn't really been the same since Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk left. Like look at this, look at these stats right here. 21, 22, when he had 42 goals and 82 points, 66% of Lindholm's shots came from the slot last year with those guys gone, it dropped from 66 to 45. And then this year it's down even further from 45 to 37. So his slots from the shot have been cut in half in two years. And then you look at his shooting percentage drop because of that. It's down 11 percentage points in two years. So it went from 18% to 12 to now seven. That's because he's not playing with elite players.
1: Yeah, but it's also the 21-22 season was his outlier season. He, he's never scored more than 29 goals in any other year, right? Uh, like that—that that, that was his career year of scoring goals. Yeah, right? but uh, okay. So here's the thing,
2: and like, I, there's a couple shortened seasons there that I think you really have to keep in mind too. Like 2021, 20, he had he had 20 in just 56 games, 47 points. So he's in the mid thirties and, but here's my point. And the reason why I brought up the, um, I brought up those trade comps is Lindholm has still even. So he's a few years younger than O'Reilly was last year, but Lindholm has still gotten to heights points and goal wise that O'Reilly has never gotten to. And right now he's, I think he's better than what O'Reilly was last year.
1: Yeah, he might be. Um, I I, I never I never viewed Lynn Lind, Lindholm to me wasn't the tenacious, he's not a, he's not in the same categories. Right. Ryan O'Reilly's peak, I think, was better than Lindholm's me. And I'm not just talking offense. I'm talking all round player. I think uh, you know, Ryan O'Reilly is is um was was more physical, just was more an intense, consistent player in, in my eyes. Um and that's just how I view him. I I like Lindholm. I'm just saying, right now, I think his trade value is probably the lowest it's been. And is he going to go to a team that can offer him to play with a Goudreau and Kachuk like players? Right. That's so. If you but don't, ha- it, but if you, if you go to an elite
2: Cup contending team, you do you have a chance to play with those players
1: or those? But which Cup contending team doesn't have a center? Like Colorado, uh, Colorado. But uh, then who's on their second line? There's no Kachuk or Goudreau there because Rantanen's on the top line. So the, the teams that
2: I've listed as suitors are Boston, Colorado, Vancouver, Vegas, and Winnipeg.
1: Yeah. Well, Boston would be the one because he could play with either Marshawn or Pasternak, I would assume. They just have
2: no assets again. No. So, so here's, tell me if, if you think that i nailed the summary on Lindholm. We've seen enough to know Lindholm isn't going to do it on his own. He needs elite offensive linemates in order to pile up points, but he also has the defensive makeup to shut down opponents. Lindholm isn't going to transform a team into a cup contender, but he could help make a cup contender into a favorite.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're higher on Lindholm than I am. Um, yeah. Okay. Like, I think Lindholm was like, he was the third best player on that line. And the year the line had like, you know, one of the greatest years, all three guys score 40 goals, right? Like it's very, very hard to do. If you look at just the history of the NHL, it was really like an every, all the stars aligned that year for that line. Right. And then, um, but then they got shut runner up for the Selkie that year. Yeah. And then they got shut down in the playoffs, funny enough. But um, I, I just, I've watched the flames this year, Frank. And to me, he doesn't look regardless of who he's playing with. He doesn't look as effective with the puck regardless of who he's with. He doesn't look as quick right now to me than he did two years ago. I think that's fair. I think there's, he's never going to blow anyone away with his
2: speed. I just think he's really deliberate with what he does at the puck and really deliberate with how fast he skates. Like he's always in control that he's never really in a bad spot, which is pretty important and he's reliable and steady. And I just think compared to, you know, compared, Lindholm to like, because this trade happened last year, we have a window to compare the two. And I think maybe the price for O'Reilly then was pretty inflated because of the trophy case, Stanley cup and con Smythe that they paid way too much. And I said it at the time and people were like, you're a leaf hater. No, I'm not. He just, it's an overpay for where the player was at that exact moment in time. I think Lindholm is a step ahead of where O'Reilly was last year.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I look at um, going back to, like, you look at Tanev this year compared to how Luke Shen played last year, just last year. How much? So, and, you know, I think your second rounder for Tanef because remember, Luke Shen uh, cost a third. I think Tanev's a second. Like, I don't think Calgary is getting, you know, any sort of significant, like, you know, a second rounder is a decent pick if, if it turns out for your team, but it's usually going to be a later second rounder, right? Like, I'm not sure the 10 ever turn is that high. And that's why I'm wondering, Frank, like, if a team really wanted them to give up a second rounder. Now, I know we said Toronto because a lot of people think, you know, tree leaving's there and they need a defenseman. They don't have a second rounder. So maybe but they that's make why it a makes third. sense to do it in a package if there's going to yeah, be like someone third, else you're going to get. Is a third and a fifth equivalent to a second, or would it have to be a third and a fourth? I don't have my draft uh, value yeah. chart in front of me. Yeah, so I wonder it's it'd be close, right? So you could do that. Um, I just, yeah, like I'm fat. The 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 Boston, I still think Lindholm would work, but I think Lindholm might go there and be on their second line center. I, like Charlie Coyle's had a really good season for Boston, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the, they're kind of building chemistry. I don't even know if you would if you would switch him out for Lindholm. So a third and a. Third
2: fifth i'm just looking at the chart here it's got to be close depends on where in the second round of course but yeah
1: well it, it we assume it. if would you're be talking like late this. yeah
2: you're talking so late, be a late third, third and a
1: late fifth too
2: right you're looking at it no it's not
1: no so it's a third and a fourth yeah yeah okay it's, you know,
2: it's, I, it's about, it's a few points short. So you're, it's like a third and a fifth is equivalent to like a early third.
1: You know, it's always funny to look back at the, the trade deadlines and you know, which trades really worked out. I, I want to get your thoughts on Jacob Chickren in, in Ottawa. And do do you think, they're, they're looking to move him. You know, it was a, they gave up two seconds, one, in, one this year, one in 26 and a conditional first round pick in 2023 for Jacob chicken last year, did the Ottawa senators. What, where do you make of where he's at right now? Cause him and Shabbat as a D pair have struggled. So I think chicken has played really good since
2: arriving in Ottawa. Like I think his game has been even on another level than what it was In Arizona, the cap hit is obviously still really attractive at 4.6 and has one year left. Here's the thing. I, I think if you were really to inject some truth serum into the Sens. The answer you'd get is we're open to anything. And I think that includes Thomas Shabbat. But I think Shabbat is a lot harder to move because of the term and the dollars on his deal and therefore you're probably getting less value. So the, they're overloaded on the left side of their D. Like Sanderson, Shabbat and Chickering is not spending 24 million bucks on just one side of your D is you're not it's, it's not going to work. So I I think they have to make a move there. We know Sanderson's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And Shabbat probably has a bit less value because of his contract. That Chikrin is the guy that stands out as, as having surplus value. And it probably makes sense, even though you might want to keep Chikrin over Shabbat, just stylistically, that you have to pull the trigger and move Shabbat or move Chikrin, excuse me, because you're also having to answer a question this summer are we extending this guy or not? Because that's when they first can. And that's really kind of the tough part, right? Is your decision or your hand is going to be forced at some point in the relatively near future, you might want to rip the Band-Aid off.
1: Uh, do you see a player, because you know, many, many GMs said at this time last year, he wasn't available, then he became available right before the deadline. You know, he had uh, multiple years left at term. Pretty big contract at $6 million. Is there a Matthias Ekholm similar contract, solid player that you think would be available from another team at this year's deadline? Similar contract to Ekholm? Con- and similar player, like a legit top three defenseman, right? Some some would argue like when you look at the left side of Edmonton with Ekholm and Nurse, it's pretty good left side, top two, right? And I'm talking like he's a difference maker. Like Ekholm comes to a team and like he really solidified. He helped seven Bouchard. There's no doubt about that. Right. I'm talking a guy who's, you know, he's pretty big. Who do you consider
2: team. solid? I guess is the question. So like, well, look at St. Louis, Justin Falk, Tory Krug, Colton yeah. Pareco, Nick Letty. All four of those guys have no trade protection. All four are locked up for three seasons at least. Yeah. Pareco even longer. All three of them on the wrong... All four of them on the wrong side of 30. The St. Louis Blues haven't won with these guys. We know Doug Armstrong wants to shake it up. He nearly traded Krug to the Flyers last summer. I mean, you'd have to think that any one of those guys is in
1: play for the right price. Yeah, like Colton Pareko might be the one to me that's... you know, When you're that big and mobile, Frank... Now, he makes 6.5, and I think he's got... uh, five it's, years after it's this, six, maybe it's 6.5 6.
2: until 2030.
1: Yeah. And That's you know, he's, the problem. Yeah. He's 30 right now. So, you know, you look at that and it's, you know, he's so he'll be 36. Uh, I think at Combs deals done when he's 35 or 36. Um, now, Branko skates really well. That's, that's the one thing. Usually guys who skate well, age better historically. Right. I don't know. So,
2: I don't know any six foot six guys that really age gracefully. Well, Sadana I don't know Chara. about you. Okay, Sadana yeah, Chara. that guy's—he's in a class of his own. He's a freak. He's still running marathons. Yeah, a freak.
1: Yeah. So, but I just I because if I was looking between fault now, Tory Crew gives you a lot of offense, no question. Shorter term deal, but he's also two years older, right? Like the the you know folks, I guess he's not, really mobile. It's just yeah, do no, you believe in under? Do
2: you believe in undersized defensemen?
1: I do if their names Macar and Hughes and Fox, but. Others not, I have
2: concerns about. Yes, at five foot nine, you're not buying on Tory Krug.
1: No, no. For me, no. I think it's it's at six point five. You now, if he's in your second pair, probably, but that's a lot for a second pair guy. Uh, now, the difference is, Krug can give you offense. He can help at power play a lot, so there there is that advantage for him. But if I was looking at their blue line, I think Pareko is the guy who I think could could garner the most value uh, for another team just because of his size, his skating ability. He's one right? He, he doesn't bring you a boatload of offense, but you know what? He's a decent enough puck mover in today's game. I don't think it's a concern at all. Like he's not just an off the boards guy and out. Um, he's not he's not super physical for his size, but if it was me and I to pick, he's the youngest
2: and his yeah, contract... Yeah, he makes, he makes sense. It's just, are yeah. you willing to live with whatever those years look like at the tail end. And for a lot of GMs are like, Hey, that's not even going to be my
1: problem. I was just going to be my point. Exactly. Like how many GMs realistically are saying, okay, I've got for sure more than four years, not many. So I think that's the guy. And, and I look at St. Louis, Frank, and I I'll be curious. Cause I think Pareco, like you talk about, you know, the, the outline you said about um, Lindholm, I look at Pareco for a team. All of a sudden you plop him in, in your top four. I think your defense is a lot better. How many teams? So like, let's also consider the contract here.
2: Like St. Louis isn't going to want to take and retain salary on one of these guys because of the years left. Yeah. You need, especially for break. like you need someone that can either. It's not even a third party broker is not going to help you. No one wants to be locked in
1: that long. You're going to have to take the whole cap hit. Yeah, you probably need a team that has a defenseman that's kind of like a Tyson Berry, right? Who was making 4.5 for one more year. So the cap space work and they they get out of it a little bit sooner and and away you go. But Nashville
2: isn't, so I get the example, but Nashville isn't going to be adding. So who is, like, what team is going to be willing to trade that much cap off of their books? Because then you're deleting at other positions. I, I just, I think St. Louis isn't tough. I don't think like I and I look, I know the year, I know Justin Falk had 50 points last year and people love the sort of playoff experience and grit that Nick Letty like I just I don't know that I don't know that anyone really is all that excited about what St. Louis has to offer. Yeah. No, in terms probably, of their defensemen.
1: Yeah. Like the the one team I think that could do it, Frank, because it's a six point five to a five, and then you add in other pieces. Would be Colorado, but I don't think St. Louis has any interest in Samuel Gerrard, right? Because that's the team that could do it. I would have interest in Sam Girard. If
2: I were the and look, Lewis, I know we just though,
1: when you've got Kruger. I
2: know like, we just talked about undersized defensemen. I get it. But I think he'd have value somewhere else. I think he's a great flippable piece.
1: Yeah, no, but he's the guy that in the trade that that would work. And I think for 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 Colorado, man, that would be massive. But do they I, need him? I don't like I don't know that they do. Well, buddy, look at the chances they're giving up in Colorado. Like, I know we've talked a lot about um, Colorado and how many games their goalies played. Go back and, and you can look the numbers at, at where they rank in giving up quality chances. They have not been nearly, I think, as stingy as they would like right now defensively as a team. Not close. So uh, I think they would look to, to to improve. Like, their top pair is is elite. But after that, man. You know where,
2: like... I, if I were Arizona, Pareko's a guy that I'd be interested
1: in. Yeah, but is he going to accept the trade there?
2: I don't know. But that's that's exactly the type of like you need to build. They don't have one defenseman under contract for next year in Arizona, not one. Yeah, I know there's a bunch of RFAs, but still, not one. Who's going to anchor your D for the next five years?
1: Yeah. But Good that's point. again
2: probably not a deadline trade
1: anyway, even if it were to oh, happen. No, and and I don't know now. Nah, hey, maybe Pareko's interested in the uh in the lovely weather, likes to golf, but I, I think guys who have like you know, he won fairly early in his career, right? I, I think you get a taste of that, man. You want to be on teams that you feel at least can be competitive. At least mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but that's what I would think, right? Like I, I think it would be harder. To go at 25, you win at 26, 27. And then at 31, you're going to a team where you're like, well, I'm here for five years and we got no chance to win. Like, like I just think that would be hard mentally. Right. And some guys, like, well, I'm just happy to be in the league and that's great. But I don't know. I, I think it's I think once you get a taste of winning, like guys who haven't won are like, yeah, I'd like to win. But then some of them they don't know what they're missing. Like you think what it feels like when you win, but until you actually win. You don't know. And, and usually when you talk to you the guys, you think you know, they, but you don't. Yeah, exactly. You don't know. Like you're, you imagine it. Oh, God. Yeah. I'm going to feel so happy. Well, of course, you're going to feel happy. But I've talked to so many players afterwards and they're like, man, like, like there was, t- like, it was so hard, but God, it was so rewarding, like, even better than I ever could have imagined. Right. That's what they all say. So um, once you've had that, man, it must be hard. Like, obviously, lots of guys don't do it, but at least they might think their team's competitive. Right. Mm. So we'll see that, you know,
2: the, so you, but what, you, I answered your question. You asked which team, you know, where are you going to get a yeah. guy under contract? Like you got to look to teams that are probably not happy with their current spot and then provide the sort of get out of jail free card. Like we, we, the blues hey. can't possibly keep running this defense core back. Can they? No, I, I mean, I guess so. they could, but like, three more years of the same guys in your top four. Like there's not even an opportunity for one of your young guys to come in and take
1: a spot. Hey Frank, the team we talked about who needs an upgrade on the blue line. What if you trade TJ Brody? Now I know it's, it's done for, you know, he's a UFA. So St. Louis is like, okay, but the cap works this year, right? It's 5 million to 6.5. And then you add in the other pieces. If you're Toronto, would you go after Pareko?
2: Yes. Yeah. But can I just say something and not to toot my own horn, but I was absolutely ridiculed on social media for saying earlier this year that the Leafs should have bought out Brody in the summer or at least considered it ridiculed. Yeah, I just want to point that out. Everyone (laughs) kept saying, oh, he's our best defenseman. You could make the argument he has been their worst defenseman and you could see it coming from 1 million miles away.
1: Well, I really wonder about Brody, though, Frank. Is if you put him where he should be? Because right now they're asking him to do stuff he's not capable of anymore. He's not a top pair defense, but he
2: he was what he was but last year was Jake yeah.
1: Muzzin a couple years ago.
2: Yeah, you're right. And no, and it, it, people again, whatever. I I'm, the criticism doesn't bother me. It's just no one ever comes back around and says, "Hey, you know what? That actually made a lot of sense because they could have bought him out for zero dollars. It was a zero dollar <laughs> cap hit this year." And then you would have had 5 million more to spend. Yeah. That's why the buyout was attractive. It was just unique in the structure. And it was like, oh my God, we could get out of this guy for no pain this year.
1: Yes. Very true yeah the the fact that it was a zero buyout, which is still it's crazy some of the calculations, but yeah it was uh it it made sense hundred percent right you you would add some negative cap space next year, but you would have had a big bonus this year, so I look at Toronto and to me they're the number one team um who who's a compa- who has really good players who who without question, i think if they don't upgrade their blue line Frank, they got no chance to go deep in the playoffs. that's just a fact mm hmm I think every Mm -hmm. Leaf fan would agree with that. I think management would probably agree, and that's why I think I think they're going to get something done at some point, and and I think sooner than later. Now, probably doesn't happen until after the All Star break, if I'm being realistic, right? Uh Because the teams come back on February sixth, then we basically have a month, right, to to run to the uh, to March eighth. So, uh, you know, that's when they're really going to have to uh, lock it down if you're Toronto, because I think that's when I look at teams like a lot of other teams are looking to add pieces here, there, no question. But they're but here's why I said. That
2: that the timing is not I don't think is right right now. I still think they have to answer the Samsonoff question before they can continue. Because if you have to divert assets and
1: cap space elsewhere to solve your goaltending, nah, they got three guys. I think they're I don't I think they might just stick with I just might I think they might just stand pat. You have three goalies and you work through it. Okay. Right, because there's no goalie on the market. There's no goalie on the market who's like unless you think Marc Andre Fleury's coming. Right? That's it. Is there there's no other goalie on the market that I think is a clear upgrade over what they have. So Fleury probably costs you a third, right?
2: I think the yeah. Blackhawks had to grind to get a second last time. And that
1: was a few yeah. years ago. Wasn't didn't he have a big hit then though? Right? Wasn't his cap hit still seven mil? Like it's 3.3 3 now. So you could be right though. Like goalies rarely still, get a big return.
2: They they rarely get a big return and his number he's a gamer but his numbers are good but not great. he mm-hmm. He's been asked to do too much this year with the Gustafson injuries.
1: Yes. So but outside of him I don't I don't see a goalie like, you know, Merz Leakins, I don't Merz Leakins has taken a, the term. I, yeah, the term. I mean his and, numbers are good
2: this year but they were awful last year.
1: Yeah. And they're okay this year. Yeah. So they're good. They're I still think when, the, when that guy goes somewhere else, Frank, I think when you lose one of your best friends, um, it's hard to f- shake that. I mm-hmm. think if he goes somewhere else, I think there's a team Columbus is going to sell low. And I think there's a chance the team, a pretty good chance. the team that gets Merzlikens will, will like the return as far as value and what he gives them. I but don't I don't think they're going to
2: sell low at all. Cause I don't think that they're going to have anyone to even take him right now.
1: No, I, I don't think it happens till the summer. It's tough. Yeah, but you know what's going to happen, Frank? Teams in the summer are going to be like, man, our gold denny wasn't good enough. Let's go try this, 100%. Mm. I I think it gets straight in the off-season for sure.
0: Uh, Let's bring in Tyler Iremchuk to this program. What is going on, gentlemen? I'm back with a fresh edition of Buy or Sell, and it is delivered by DoorDash for a limited time. Our Canadian listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. All you need to do is download the DoorDash app, and use the promo code Nation twenty five. Frank, you're up in Canada, so why not get in the mix? Try out the new Double Dash feature. You can get a donair and a slushy brought to your room. That's good. That's good living. I, I Door Dashed
2: last night when I arrived here. I was sitting at home last week, and Friday nights after coaching hockey, after doing a little work, I like to my guilty pleasure on Friday nights is watching a little Diners, Drive ins, and Dives with Guy Fieri, and they had. They went to a place in Calgary and I was like that it was, uh, I don't know how to say it properly, Nepalese food from Nepal. And they had, they went to this place called Calgary Momo house and it actually, oddly enough, is right near the airport. So I landed and I said, I am going to dash that for the win. And I got it delivered right to my hotel It's good. so I could try the place from diners, drive-ins and dives. I, I, you should have seen me last Friday night. Like, had my phone out. I was all excited. Like, hey, write this place down. What's this place
0: called? That is sweet. All right, uh, let's get into the questions. I got three lined up for you guys. Uh, the streets are clamoring. They always want Corey Perry updates. So let's talk a little Corey Perry. I'm going to say he signs with a Canadian team. Buy or sell, Frank? Ooh, so the question is, Canada or the field? Yeah, I'm going to sell, mm. just
2: because outside of Edmonton, I don't really think toronto's in the mix don't know that i see him going to van or winnipeg and then montreal, ottawa, they're all out of it no oh, yeah and going. he's not going to calgary so i think that kind of just leaves edmonton mm. and i'll take the field jay
1: Canada is some of the hottest teams in the league right now. And I uh, think the three hottest overall last 25 games in Vancouver, Winnipeg, and Edmonton. It's okay. So, we
2: won the world juniors.
1: That's uh... <laughs> the way you said it, it was so funny. It was like, well, well, Canada has the hottest teams in the league. Like, okay, good. But they good do. I'm just, I'm just pointing out things. This right. uh, <laughs> is how it goes. Um, by the way, we are going to do our uh, Canada, us rosters when Canada kicks their ass. And the next time there's a real, uh, best on best, but, yeah, okay. um, the, uh, I I would probably sell as well because uh, I'm just playing the odds, right? There's more American teams. Um, I, I will say like on paper, Edmonton and him are a very good fit. There's no question about it, right? Like Edmonton needs a right winger. Corey Perry wants to go to a team that has a chance and the orders, they got a legit chance, but um, I don't think it happens. Hope I'm wrong for order fans, but I don't think it happens.
0: Uh, Just. The three best teams based on points percentage since December 1st. Greg's You're bang on Jets, Oilers, Canucks, 775 points percentage for the Canucks. Both the Oilers and Jets are in the 800s. All right. Next one I got. 800s. (laughs) 800s. Next one I got for you guys. Let's go to Boston. You guys talked a little bit about uh, Charlie Coyle, the season he's having, and maybe it's calming down the need for them to add a top six center. But I'm going to say the Bruins go out and make a big splash at a top six center before the deadline. Buy or sell, Greg's?
1: I'm going to give the Bruins. I was so wrong in the Bruins. Uh, their their center ice, their whole team has played infinitely better than than I thought they would be. So kudos to them. Um, how many top six guys are available? Right, that's that's the question to me. So you know what? I'm not sold. I'm gonna I'm gonna sell. I think Boston's going to make an ac- but I'm not sold. It's going to be a locked and loaded uh, top six guy. Frank, I think they'd like one, but I don't know. There's something about that organization there. They know what their team is. I think they really like their room. Um, they could use a finisher though, right? The problem is there's not a lot available.
2: Finisher? They got one of the best in the league.
1: Yeah, but but you need, like, having one is great. I think they'd like to have, a, like, and not an elite finisher because none of those guys are available. I'm just talking like a, a good quality contributor offensively, right? Like, you know, um, Marshawn's got 19, but they've only got four guys in double digits, right? Um, Like Trent Fredericks, I think fourth on their team in goals having a really good year with 13, but I think they'd like to add another guy who is around like a, a 19 to 25 goal type of player.
2: I just, again, what assets they don't have a first, second or third this year or a second next year. They have their 2025 first round pick. And unless you're a team that's really excited about getting a first two years from now, like I don't, I don't know maybe you're betting and if you could get it unprotected that the Bruins have a drop off i I don't know what the play is, but they're short on prospects and and assets and cap space, quite frankly, yeah, they find ways to do it they do uh and they were they took some big swings last year because of yeah. the spot that they were in, you know with that magical season they did not leave any stone unturned i just I wonder if that Going through that kind of it's like a recoil, kind of like remember Florida the year they won the President's Trophy and they they went out and made all those trades. It was they got Claude Giroux and um who's the big defenseman Florida traded for? Charot Ben Sherat. I mean they gave up a first round pick for Ben Sherat, and then all of a sudden they turned around and they're like oh whoa we can't do that every year. No no, and and maybe there's part of Boston that's feeling that same way. Is we've had a good team. Maybe we can make it through based on what we have or close to it. But by the way, can we address the Patrice Bergeron rumors?
0: There are Patrice Bergeron rumors.
2: (laughs) You didn't, I guess you didn't see the Chicklets guys talking about Patrice Bergeron. They said the rumor boys, they said they've heard he's been
1: skating coming out of retirement just for the stretch run that would be a veteran move, very veteran move. I don't I don't think it's going to happen. No.
2: Uh, look, I'm not reporting that. I don't think it's I don't think it's in his nature to just kind of barge in. And as much as the Bruins want it to happen, and believe me, the Bruins front office is asking and 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 uh, they're not shy about it. Which makes sense, given all that we just talked about. Could you imagine Patrice Bergeron for little cap hit and not having to give up any assets? I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I just, I don't, I don't, knowing people that have talked to him as recently as a couple weeks ago, it wasn't even a thought in his mind. And unless something really changed,
0: that's my understanding of where it is. I know you said it's not in his nature for him to barge in, but I mean, what if they really make it feel like he's not right? You get the boys texting him, come back, we need you, we miss you. Oh, come on, everyone they, misses. Their they passed <laughs> They passed the torch,
2: like, and I think he knows that his body had just had enough.
0: That's fair. All right, uh, last one I got for you guys. We're gonna head out west right now, where the eight playoff teams are: the Jets, Avs, Stars, Canucks, Knights, Kings, Oilers, and Preds. I will say. Those are your eight. No playoff race in the West. Those eight are going to stay in those eight spots. Buy or sell on that, Frank?
2: I'm going to sell.
0: Think the Preds slip?
2: Yeah, I think the Preds are the only, only one here. I mean, I just think between one of... And I think it's a real long shot for many, but one of many St. Louis, Arizona, mm. Seattle, or Calgary is gonna catch the Preds.
0: Mm. I just look at it as a lot of those teams, or all of them, including the Preds, are are really flawed. The Preds have the best goalie. He might just drag them in. Jay, you buying or selling on those eight stay in the same out west.
1: Yeah, I think the seven teams are are, are set. Um, Minnesota, I, I don't see how Minnesota turns it around at this point. They're eight points back. Um, you know, they haven't made up really any ground here lately, and now they're going backwards. What do they want? Two of their last 10. So um, Seattle and, and Calgary would be the two teams that uh, I, I give the best chance. I give Arizona credit, man. They, they kind of hung around, but. Um, they have the second best points percentage. It's yeah. Preds and then Yotes.
2: Yeah, and they um, they have a better goal differential. Like if any team has a chance, like, I, I just I, I think all of those teams are selling or need to sell, including Minnesota. We just talked about St. Louis. The Coyotes are not deep enough or strong enough to just stand pat at the deadline and say, hey, you know what? It's great that we could have got some assets, but we're going to try and roll the dice and get in. They can't do that. They have to sell. The Kraken are the one team that could kind of you know, say, hey, you know what? We're staying the course here. We've got a bunch of guys that have contracts and term. We're not trading them, but we talked about Calgary and their need to do it. And the Preds are realistic. You just might be right, Tyler, on the goalie part. Yeah,
1: like, I, I look at, at the Coyotes and I could make an argument why they need to, for their fan base to say, you know, we're not just going to sell off and have another wasted year again. We're going to look to try to compete. And, uh, you know, they're now all of their it. defensemen are I don't telling think you they have, they're not doing it. Yeah, well, you, you could be right. But to me, that's just a loser mentality. You, you know, they're that close and we're going to s- sell off again. Why to sell off and, and get what the 12th <laughs> overall pick? The hell does that do for you? That's fair.
0: All right, there you go. That is a wrap on this week's edition of Buy or Sell, delivered by DoorDash.
1: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. Well, I think finishing first in the, in the West is a big advantage. Cause I think huge, there's huge actually advantage. something
2: to play for yes. because you're going to have the one cupcake first round matchup yeah, and everything else, every other team, no matter how good they are outside of that one, eight is scrapping for dear life to make it to the second round.
1: Yeah. Dallas, Colorado, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Vegas, Vancouver, LA. It'll be uh, yeah the
2: old waste of eight days as, as Tyler reminded us. Yeah,
1: well, well, Colorado was an absolute wagon and he was bang on about it that year. Um, But all of those
2: teams, the seven compared to the eight, eight is they're in a different
1: stratosphere this year. Oh, yeah. Like you could have. I don't know what I'll say this, Frank. The Kings, man, they have really struggled as of late. Like they, I think the Kings are, you might put the six and then the Kings are a little bit below. They got to, they got to regroup because they have not been good here for quite a while. Like Edmonton's gained 12 points on them. 12 in a span of a month. Like that's ridiculous.
2: The, (coughs) excuse me, the jets, if they win the, if they win the West, the first seed, they could finish upwards of 40 points higher Oh yeah. It's like 38 points higher than the eight seed. And I know that that's somewhat routine, but we're talking about a really big gap and all those other teams are going to be North of a hundred.
1: Yeah. So, well, you know what? Selfishly, I want Winnipeg to win the, uh, the West. Cause then we have no crossover. So go jets, go oh jets. God. Go. It's the stupidest rule in sports. Frank, you have to admit it. There's no rhyme or reason for it. None. By the way, little preview. I have Seth
2: Jarvis coming on, frankly speaking, last week, and I asked him, what's one rule you could change if you could in the NHL? And he said, to make referees speak to media after games to explain what happened. <laughs> and I was like, yes, finally we are aligned on something. <laughs> Players and media.
1: Uh... Uh, you know, you, you, the NBA does it, so there there is ways that you could Major League
2: Baseball does a poll reporter. The NFL yeah. constantly is issuing statements. They all acknowledge that they're wrong, and for whatever reason, the NHL thinks that referees are going to be day-to-day with hurt feelings because they got a call wrong when we all know they
1: already did. Yeah. Well, I don't know. But I guess you'd look and say, well, what, what are we going to say? Yeah, we made a mistake. Okay, now I feel better. Like, I guess so.
2: Well their thing is like we got to protect these guys. They're our employees. Mm. We already know you screwed up. Please stop. Yeah, well mistakes happen in the game like mistakes I, happen in, it's the it's it's almost impossible to call it 100% correctly.
1: Well, of course. It is impossible to do it. The game's so fast. Um I think the refs uh, do an incredible job. Like, yeah, so they make mistakes. I do Some too, the but they don't. The but it, my
2: point is in the eyes of the NHL, because they don't ever answer publicly, yeah. they never make mistakes.
1: Well, I guess, Frank, you know what you said earlier? It would sure be nice if someone would ever say we did a good job. When is the last time that? And so I could see why they're like, what's the benefit? We only talk. No one's going to want to talk to the refs when they call a great game. They're only going to want to talk to them if they miss a call. So I can understand why. But that's not what they're they like, do in any other sport. Any other sport
2: that they know, you don't go and talk to them after. Hey, you don't go down to the locker room and say, Hey ref, knock on the door. I pull reporter here to tell you what a great job you did. Like that's yeah, not how it works. It's just the one I comes up to the press box and says like, Hey, great story there. They well, just remember yeah, you, all the prick stories you wrote.
1: Well, sure. But my point is even you said, Hey, it'd be nice if someone had said, Hey, you know what? That was a good idea. But the point is people only focus on the negative too often. So all that would do is add to the negativity. Stop. Right there's never going to be a hey. Uh, West McCauley had an excellent game tonight.
2: They got to put right? their big boy pants on. They're not. They don't live in reality. They live
1: detached from reality at times. Well, the NHL sure, but not the officials. It's the NHL. So, I, I my personal note, I think hey, the Bettmans had a great run. He's done a lot of things, but I think it's time for a change. I think there'd be a, a good opportunity for change.
2: He's, I think, nine days away from becoming the longest tenured commissioner in pro sports history.
1: Yeah. So. I think it's time for a change. Frank, enjoy Calgary. Enjoy the outdoor game. We will uh, chat with you on Lindy. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Sarvali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.